0: All right, guys, so I'm recording a note before I'm posting this note before this first part of this episode. So I have broken this episode into two parts. My first... Um, recording is almost an hour long, um, I had a lot of speculation, you know, I was wanting to talk about, um, Christianity before the writings of the New Testament, um, and kind of the process of how the ideas got formed, um, so this first episode has a lot of questions, a lot of speculation, a lot of uh, poor dates. I wasn't accurate with the dates because I was going by my memory, so I was kind of guessing. The second part is actually going to have more accurate dates. It's actually going to talk about the specifics of the seven ecumenical ecumenical councils i don't know how to pronounce it but the first seven councils the first one being the council of nicaea um which is kind of around when you know christianity was starting to be you know more solidified so these councils have you know they started in the 300s ad and went through this, the 700s, I believe there are 11 of them total, but the first seven, um, have been almost all the way up to the year 800, and so there's like a 500 plus year period where there's, um, you know, these councils going on in different, countries in different parts of the world, and then before those councils, there were like, you know, 300 years or so since Jesus was on the earth. Um, so there was a big gap between when, when those things were starting to be solidified by different churches, Orthodox, Catholic, different kind of churches. Um and my main interest is you know how did how did Christianity look you know so it kind of gives kind of my speculation on it from my own understanding in this first part and then it goes more into kind of what the history says as far as the dates and the terminology and what was happening at the councils I also had the accurate dates for, you know, the books of the New Testament. I was incorrect. I spoke incorrectly saying that Mark was the first book. Mark was the first gospel, but Galatians was the first New Testament book um, written. Um, Let me see. Let me just put the date in here because i want you guys to have some accurate information and, and if in case you don't read in case you don't watch the or listen to the next one um, my notes are kind of i write my notes on my phone so let me see let me see so i'll just read this note uh, it's from havefunwithhistory.com it says, Mark was, well, I wrote this, I think, this note, and then I put the link. You know, Mark was the first gospel written near the years of 60 to 70 AD. The first New Testament book written was Galatians. All books were written between approximately 49 AD, which is when would have been technically maybe one of the earliest times that Galatians could have been written. There's like a range. All of them have like a range. So I didn't put the range for Galatians. Just the earliest part of that range would be 49 AD for Galatians. And the latest, which would be the end range, would be 95 AD for 3rd John. Um, so you can kind of see it took about let's say if if Jesus death was about 33 AD um that's about 16 years approximately 16 years at the earliest before Galatians was even written and so you know there was a time when there was no New Testament text anywhere um um, let me see. Let me see if I can find who wrote Galatians. Turning these thin pages, um, Paul and Apostle. So the salutation assumes it was Paul. Now, um, I think that's all I'm gonna say. I just wanted, I just wanted to put this out there because I don't like putting inaccurate information, so I'm gonna let the rest of this episode still get recorded because I think there is value to it, but just know that a lot of the speculation of the dates I'm talking about, it was kind of guessing. Um, And the next episode will have the notes with um, more dates, accurate dates, for um, these, you know, books of the Bible, of the New Testament, as well as these councils that started happening in um, the year 325 A.D. So we'll go from there, and then I'll start explaining what was discussed in those councils and try my best to define some of the complex terminology. The reason why I think all this is important is just to show how the church, the Christian church, kind of formed its ideas. You can see that there are all these ideas about the Trinity, about divinity of Jesus that seems like maybe those ideas weren't fully there, they weren't, like, solidified, There were still questioned about them earlier on, like, before the year 49 AD when Galatians was written, um, so, yeah, uh, just want to put that out there. And there's going to be a second part as well. I haven't recorded that yet. I've only written down the notes. And I have to go through my notes while I'm recording it because I do not have that committed to memory. Um, and then we'll keep going. Alright guys, hopefully this is helpful. And the reason why I'm cutting this into two parts is, is because it would be way too long. Um, I, tried, I try not to go too far over one hour. So, um, all right. With that, here comes this part one. And then you'll have part two. I'm going to post them both at the same exact time. So part one and part two will be available simultaneously. All right, Theory and Theology, what's up? Let's hope that this episode does not get cut off. It is raining my Wi-Fi is not that good today and so I'm on 5g let's try it out that was working before but lately my 5g has been not as good as usual so I don't know I'm just trying to save myself some steps of recording onto my phone and then uploading the file and all that kind of stuff so I've got some intro that I'm going to do right now and then I'm going to probably post um, once I finish the actual research. Um, So this question keeps coming up online because now I think it's kind of connected to my algorithm situation because I've been studying a lot of history about the church. And so I mentioned, you know, I was watching videos by, what's his name, William, let's see if I can get the name, gotta look through my history, Matt Whitman, I don't know where I got William from, so Matt Whitman, he goes to a lot of churches and, you know, he meets with the priests or the clergy or whoever and talks to them and so you know it's kind of interesting so i think it was the um orthodox church that mentioned that they were the first church that came at pentecost now i want to talk about the council at nicaea and Sometimes when I'm, you know, listening to stuff, you know, sometimes I'm, like, half-napping, you know? Like, I turn on podcasts and other things while I'm, like, kind of napping um, or just relaxing, and then it turns into a nap. And so uh, sometimes I listen to stuff when I'm driving. Sometimes I'm actively listening or watching. Sometimes I'm just, like, "Eh, I'm just trying to chill. Let's see if I take a nap or what happens. And so I was listening to something yesterday evening and it seemed like they mentioned that there were multiple councils like one in the year one or two in the year like near like 312 ad or ce and around let's call it 330 something ad ce and another one in like 600 or something like there were these councils right so I'm trying to get to the bottom of this, Um, maybe not the bottom of this, but kind of shed more light on or understand more how the church developed into what it is now. Because I explained, you know, how my, you know, how I grew up in, a, in an Adventist church. I kind of explained how that church was, how they had like different rock churches, like a rock church or like more like drums and it's kind of like I wouldn't really call it entertainment because I think when people are doing it they don't feel like it's entertainment they feel like it's worship I I don't think I've ever gone to a church really and felt like it was entertainment but I have heard people say that before like I remember going to like a black Adventist church with a lot of non-black friends and they didn't really understand the culture and people were like you know, it was, like, not a, a formal church service, it was, like, after the church service, they had, like, a young adult slash youth service, but there were adults there, too, like, older adults, because some of them, like, drove their own kids there or whatever, and um, people were clapping, you know, and, like, you know, they're, you know, this was the type of church where they were a little more enthusiastic, you know, like, clapping, the clapping and, like, the amen and, like, the, you know, like those kind of shouting out kind of you know expressions weren't like to show that like oh I'm being very entertained it was more like this music is touching me when these when these youth are singing you know these soulful songs and people were getting really kind of like in the spirit about it and so they would clap or like you know or show you know by their energy the people who were listening to the people singing kind of how <clears throat> how they were experiencing that music it, it was kind of like a like if you've ever been in a in an environment where you're like in a church and it feels like really stale really dull really kind of like like i had a friend that used to say that this where it was like sometimes when you're in a church it feels like the spirit isn't there it's just kind of like we're going through the motions, nobody's really into it, versus when you're at a church service or somewhere where you feel like really deeply touched by the by the service, there's just something that touches you, either the message or the, the singing or the chanting or the, whatever happens in that service, it might be very touching, and one of my friends, you know, I was like, she looked like mad, and she was like sitting next to me, just kind of like, scowling and I'm just like kind of like what's up you know she's like oh well, you know worship isn't supposed to be entertainment and and i was kind of like offended because i was kind of like well this is a cultural thing like they're expressing how they feel they're not clapping heartily because they feel like it's like a an r&b concert or something like that wasn't the case but i could see how people could take it that way But she was like offended thinking like oh they're trying to like put on a show and then everyone's feeling like oh I want you to entertain me so they're like clapping and it's like that wasn't I could tell that wasn't what was going on but she couldn't interpret it that way um and um you know so you know there are churches that are more conservative that are more um traditional very traditional like orthodox and catholic churches seem to look old and maybe like i think it was called episcopal there are a lot of churches that seem to look pretty traditional compared to the churches that i described um explaining my experiences in la and the adventist church how sometimes it was in like a gym or sometimes it's like they have chairs instead of pews or like you know they might have like a drop down like screen or like powerpoint for like the like a slide presentation or maybe they'll show like a movie clip and things like that like some churches some of those really um <clears throat> ancient style churches you would probably never see that um you know they wouldn't they might have microphones um or maybe if it's like if it's like a huge mega church type of place they might have like extra monitors so you can like see from certain distances or angles but they might not have all this like extra like updated instruments like electric guitars drums all that you know be showing like movie clips even if it is about like Jesus or the bible or like somebody's testimony or like some mission trip footage or something like they probably wouldn't be showing that in the service it might be something they would take outside of the service and have like a separate kind of meeting and have have it that way not during the worship service so okay so saying all that you know i think it was the orthodox church that said at the pentecost at pentecost which is described i believe in the book of acts um where you know the believers were worshiping and um while the believers were worshiping like i guess with mary um tongues of fire came on their heads like above their heads and um i need to brush up and actually read through this again but like tongues of fire came onto their heads and um, hundreds of people i don't know if it's hundreds or thousands i think hundreds like five or six hundred or something like that were converted to become christians and they say that that's when that church was developed now to my understanding at that point in time i need to know the years so i'm gonna need to go back and research this but that's their explanation this isn't like word for word what the bible says i need to go back in and like read what it says in the bible but i believe pentecost and shavuot are the same let me me actually look that up real quick um are pentecost and shavuot the same um does it come from the same thing? So let me, I'm gonna search that right now. Are Pentecost and Shavuot the same? Um, so sh- while Shavuot is sometimes referred to as Pentecost in Koine Greek, <clears throat> Due to its timing, after Passover, Pentecost, meaning 50 in Greek, and Shavuot occurring 50 days after the first day of Pesach slash Passover, it is not the same celebration as the Christian Pentecost, which comes 50 days after Pesach. So Pesach is what Israelis, at least currently Israelis, are or maybe it was a historical thing uh, referred to as easter <clears throat> but the first the first of those of those days before christians started celebrating easter um and what is now uh pentecost when people still had the jewish holidays that they were celebrating and there weren't any of these other holidays that were trying to match any of these other Roman or Greek culture days. Um, they were based on, like, the sun worship and things like that. Um, I believe in the Bible times, in the, fir- the first experiences of these would have technically been on the Jewish holy days. And then throughout time you know, after these councils, once, you know, the Roman leaders started getting involved, and, you know, Christianity became a religion of Rome, like, their main religion, Rome is the one that started changing everything outside of Judaism, so that, you know, there's Easter. There was not Easter before, um... There was not, like, if you look in the Bible, you don't find Christmas, you don't find Easter, you don't find Halloween, you don't find Thanksgiving. None of those holidays are in the Bible. Um, Even what we have as the new year, it's based on the sun, it's not based on the lunar calendar. Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish new year, is a different date than the new year um, of um what the gregorian calendar is which christianity follows now there are select groups of christians that do follow um you know the jewish traditions more um so messianic jewish congregations do kind of take The roots back to before Rome changed everything. So as I understand it, their practice is more similar to what the early Christians would have been doing, like say, you know, when Jesus died in the year, you know, when he was crucified, and I believe one of those churches said, you know, he raised, he was raised 40 days later, he raised from the dead, um, even during that time period, people weren't celebrating Easter, people weren't, there weren't really a lot of, like, non-Jews involved in Christianity, it was mostly Jewish people who believed in Jesus as, at the least, a rabbi, some believed he was a prophet, you know, a healer. Some believed he was the Messiah. Even the idea of Jesus become of Jesus being God, the divinity and the Trinity and all these things. That was a little bit of a question that did come up, um, in the writings of the New Testament. But mind you, these writings were published or made available like multiple decades after the death of Jesus and so they weren't written like right at the year 33 like they were written like way later and I really need to get a timeline together on this stuff because I'm I'm kind of bad at you know once I hear something and then you know it goes past my memory I kind of forget the years um but I'm trying to create a timeline of like when things changed in the church now I'm not here to say what's right what's wrong but you know ever since my youth you know I always had a question like because I would read the bible and I picked up on this just naturally on my own I was like okay like yeah they talk about Jesus and all that but I would look and I would be like oh so you know, you would think, you know, Jesus lived to be, you know, let's say, 33 or so, right? Like, he lived a pretty long length of time. Um, so, what would stop people from, you know, you would think within his 33 or so years on earth, you would have seen a christmas celebration or a celebration of his birth or something even while he was living right i was like well why don't they ever ever celebrate christmas you know you see jesus celebrating hanukkah or the festival of lights um but you don't see christmas celebrations and i need to charge my mic um i'm going to save this for now i'm going to charge my mic all right i'm back so yeah since i was younger You know, I was like, okay, that's kind of odd that, you know, Jesus had his birth, the virgin birth, you see the birth story happen, and it seems like a big deal, at least some of the accounts show that, you know, there were, you know, the magi who came after his birth, but were following the star, looking for him, you know king herod heard about him and or the birth um and started killing all the babies around his age range cuz he was paranoid about this potential king coming into power and taking him over um taking his place killing him whatever was going to happen as the king of the jews because the jew the jews were being ruled over at that time by herod um he or I don't know if it was his wife or his daughter or whoever it was that had a role in killing uh, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, you know, Jesus kind of disappears a little bit until, like, you see him at the temple when he's about age 12 or so, Um, which, you know, he's probably considered culturally maybe a man by that point. Or maybe he was in the process of becoming bar mitzvah. I don't really know. That's kind of how I read into it, usually. um, Was that's why he was in the temple, you know, with these um, other, like, scholars. And showing that he was learned. um, And, you know, people valued his teachings. And you know he seems like he's a he's accepted as a legitimate rabbi you know when he starts his ministry you know he gets baptized he starts his ministry he calls disciples a lot of you know fishermen and things like that um he doesn't go looking around the temple you know for other you know Maybe people who would all, have already been shining students in the temple, already approved to like study under rabbis and had like a good reputation. He chose the people that, according to uh, Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell, Rob Bell, yeah, he was, you know, those people who were working with their fathers or working in some kind of trade didn't really cut it. They either, their family either needed them to work to make money or, you know, they didn't shine in the eyes of the other rabbis who would take them on, you know, in the tradition to become a, a Talmud, a student um, of a rabbi. He went and he called his own students and he he had disciples. This was a common practice, you know, rabbis had students And that's how you would learn. And then you could become a rabbi or whatever, you know. um, You'd have some kind of standing. But he had 12 disciples. Um, I believe Judas was... Judas wasn't called, but Judas came along. Um, There seems to be other people that were around him, too. Some women that were around him, too. Um... But he had a place in the community, it sounds like, for a few years in his 30s, where he was seen at a wedding, you know, where he did his first miracle of turning the water into wine. Like, you see him at least for, like, it seems like approximately a three-year period, as well as maybe when he's about 12 years old. You never hear about, oh, it was the birthday of Jesus, you know. So there's this kind of mixed storyline because I know at that time period, maybe in the culture, only kings really celebrated their birthdays. You know, from what I've been taught, um, it wasn't like everybody would just be like celebrating their birthday all the time. It was something that like kings and royalty did. They celebrated their birthdays. But like the annual, like, you know, your first birthday, your second birthday, like that, Um, but it seems like they kept track to some, kept track to some extent because eventually you'd become bar mitzvah. And so, I don't know where that tradition came from or where it started, but, um, it seems like somebody was keeping track of that, of that year. Um, so age did have some kind of significance to it, but I guess maybe cultural, culturally people weren't celebrating birthdays the way that we do in western culture today but it also was kind of i was also kind of like okay well if people did consider that he was the king of the jews or going to be the king of the jews or the messiah or something wouldn't they have like tried to celebrate his birthday or something you know like i don't know it just never really added up for me um and then easter of course you know um that came after the fact. There was no Easter there was another holiday that was like a Roman pagan holiday that is Easter basically and now that same day is the day that, you know, Jews or I mean, Christians no longer follow that holy day. Um that was in the Bible time. Uh, there's that um I guess confusing date where they say in the Jewish month of Nisan um, one account states that Jesus was that Jesus had a Passover Seder the night of Passover evening and then the next day was crucified another account states that he had a dinner that wasn't a Passover Seder and the next day was crucified. And I think those dates are Nisan 14 versus Nisan 15. And so the early church, it seems like they were split uh, in the commemorative years of remembrance of, you know, the crucifixion of Jesus. They would either celebrate on Passover or the day before Passover. Because the way the Jewish days go are there's evening and there's morning, according to, you know, the creation story. There was evening and morning, that was the first day. So that's why even the Sabbath starts Friday evening, you know, when the sun goes down on Friday, that's the start of day seven. Day seven ends when the sun goes down on Saturday night. That's the end of day seven. And technically, that starts day one. Saturday night is day one versus people who follow, you know, um, the seven-day calendar where Sunday is the first day of the week, but starts with you know, midnight on Sunday morning. Um, and so right now I'm recording this on Sunday. It's technically 4.49 p.m. I'm probably going to post this on Monday or Tuesday. It's 4.49, 4.50 now, 4.50 p.m. Sunset's around five thirty, five twenty five, something like that. Um, so technically the first day in the Jewish days um, since Saturday night is when day one started when the sun sets tonight that technically starts day two of the week which is Monday versus, you know, in Los Angeles, we consider midnight to be, you know, Sunday, once it's midnight, it's now Monday morning, um, so yeah, um, and so, let me see, So I've only got a couple notes, but I'm going to finish my notes and then I'll finish the rest of this post. Um, but this is just my intro to kind of what I'm trying to talk about here. So, you know, I talk about Henry Abramson, Abramson a lot. He talks in some videos about Christianity, how it was originally, um, the sect within Judaism, because the early Christians were Jewish, the early Christians, like the very early Christians while Jesus was on earth, were majority Jewish. And they were born Jewish. They came from Judaism. They were worshiping with other Jews. They had a rabbi named Jesus. There were a rabbi in their community who was accepted named Jesus, and some of them were... His disciples and they followed his midrash, they followed him, his teachings. Um, now you always that's why you always see the Pharisees and the scribes and all these other leaders kind of like challenging him because they're like, You're not doing things the way that we do it. You know, all these other people who were leaders, you know, and rabbis and teachers, you know, they would have had students too, but they would have all kind of been teaching in line with a certain method. And he was kind of on his own path of teaching that seemed to be rubbing them the wrong way. Um, so, um... I guess my main interest is, you know, in Christianity before, uh, before Rome got involved. Because at the time when Jesus was alive, you know, Rome ruled, um, but, you know, Rome hadn't adopted Christianity as a religion, um, it wasn't really that widespread yet, it was still technically judaism I don't really think people were called Christians yet. I think they were still considered Jews. Jesus was a rabbi and they were following him. Those who chose to follow him were following him. Um, and there was a lot of preaching that happened after the death of Jesus where, you know, per history, there was almost like you know, a few hundred years during which different letters were being written and, you know, like, um, the New Testament was being formed. Like, those letters were being written, like, uh the Gospels and, you know, because when you think of it, when Jesus was on Earth, there were no Gospels. The New Testament wasn't even there yet. It wasn't even written until ages after his death so people weren't following the new testament all the stuff that we read matthew mark luke john acts romans all those letters revelations all that stuff all that stuff happened in history was written after the death of jesus and a lot of it was influenced by <clears throat> excuse me by the council at nicaea um a lot of those writings were influenced by the council at nicaea I believe I need to double check on that because I need to get my date straight about the the timeline. I believe Mark. <clears throat> I may have talked about this before. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't recall if Mark is the first gospel written or the first New Testament bi- Bible uh, book written. Um, chronologically in In the written New Testament, um, Matthew is put as the first one, but Mark was actually written before Matthew, Luke, and John. It was written before all of those, and that's why they say in the book of mark you you don't you don't even see I'm gonna have to go back and check this, but something I was listening to said. In the book of Mark, you don't see this virgin birth, this divinity of Jesus. He was born just as a human. You don't see Joseph, the father of Jesus, in there um, as a role because it was written early. And I guess there's potential that when when the book of Mark was written, these ideas about Jesus having a virgin birth and being a divine child and you know the angels either coming to Joseph or in the other account where the angel shows up to Mary these accounts didn't exist yet this these are different accounts like Mark doesn't show those accounts apparently now this is what somebody said that I was following there um I was reading what they wrote now is that accurate, I do not know. I need to go back and check. So this is stuff that I'm going to put in my notes to check on. But that's what I'm going to be reading up on, and that's what I'm going to record on next. I'm going to attach it to this episode, because these are things I want to know. Um, so basically, um, yeah, I'm going to have to write this stuff down. So we're going to look at the The chronological... Where am I going to write this? Alright, we're going to look at this uh, chronological um, order of Bible texts. The chronicle of, I guess, of New Testament Bible texts. Um, and then we're going to look at Mark, about the divinity, and virgin birth, about Joseph, I don't have a Bible in front of me while I'm talking right now, about Joseph, about, um, angels coming... Yeah, and, you know, um, yeah. So I want to see when these books were written, um, uh, compared to the Council at Nicaea. when these books were written because i think that's important because at the council of night at nicaea that's when a lot of the you know rome wasn't wanting to take on the christian religion as an official religion of the kingdom of rome because it was you know they didn't have easter solidified yet you know, there were people celebrating at Nisan 14, people celebrating Nisan 15. It seems like that was a big, there was a big battle between these groups. Um, there were people who talked about the virgin birth. I, I don't know. Maybe they didn't talk about it yet. I need to look at the timeline. Um, about the About Jesus being the Messiah. That was another topic about the Trinity, that's another topic, there are all these topics, um, um, and, yeah, so these ideas, you know, while Jesus was on earth, you know, some scholars say that these ideas weren't there. Others say that maybe they were. Um, there is also this idea that there are potentially other letters and... Um, what would you call it? Letters or books... That are not... Um, like letters or, you know, books that you know weren't found or maybe they got destroyed or lost or something um but i do think it's very important that there's this timeline where there is no new testament yet there's this timeline where you know christians are basically jews at a certain point um they're not they're not modern day christians they're not worshiping on Sundays. They're not going to church on Sundays yet. That doesn't exist. They're still celebrating Jewish Holy Days. They're still, before they get excommunicated from the Jewish synagogues, they're still worshiping in synagogues with other Jews. This is even after the death of Jesus. You know, early Christians were still Jewish But over time, you know, all this changes once, you know, more Gentile, non-Jewish people start joining the religion. There's a timeline of, you know, um, different, I guess the history comes more from, you know, the Catholic Church explains the history more. But, you know, during the years after Jesus, you know, different... Disciples, different followers of Jesus are going out to different places, Asia and Turkey and Ethiopia, and you know, they eventually get over to Rome. Um, but before that, they're around like in Jerusalem and all these other countries, all these other uh, major cities, and a lot of them get killed, you know, trying to spread. Word of God, you know, in these other places. And this is, a lot of this is before a lot of the New Testament was even written. Um, they were still technically Jewish people going to places and I think spreading the message to Hindus, um, in, in, uh, India. Um, you know, they're traveling all over the place and getting killed all over the place. Um, And, you know... um, Yeah, John writes the book of Revelation at a certain point. When he gets, you know, exiled to the island, he writes the book of... He has a vision and writes the book of Revelation. Then, like, while these people were still living, they're still writing, you know? So after Jesus... It took that long, you know, for a lot of these books to be written. And if you think about it, you know, I don't really know the ages of the disciples. People in the in the movies and stuff, they always seem like they're like old men, like old white men. According to Rob Bell's book, they must have been around maybe the age of 14 or something. Because when you think of it, people's lifespans weren't that long. And they were working with their fathers. So let's say they their fathers even lived to be 60. These men were younger than 60 because Jesus was like in, the, in his early 30s. Let's say Jesus was about 30. So he was choosing people that still had fathers alive. So let's say that they were probably 40 years old or younger. It doesn't say that any of them were really married or anything. Most of them didn't seem like they were married. Uh, so they were probably pretty young. Um, I mean I don't know for sure I'm just saying like I don't remember hearing about the the disciples being married and it seems like quite a few of them, some of them did have their own trade like Matthew was a tax collector and things like that like he was already working but there were some other guys who weren't you know they were working with their family in their family trade Um, so they outlived Jesus and they have these multiple decades where they're preaching in other countries, other areas outside of Israel. And, you know, they're getting killed in the process. They're writing, you know, books of the Bible in the process. Like, Paul didn't even come on the scene for quite a while. And so, you know, Paul wrote a lot of books of the the New Testament, you know. And so, you know that's kind of what I want to explain, because I feel like it's not clear, you know, when when we look at the Bible, it's easy to see all the kind of modern day stuff, and I'm not saying it's wrong, like, at a certain point, it's like, whatever, at a certain point, you're still worshiping God, and if that's the whole point, you know, whatever way the religion says to do it, whether you're going through Mary, or going through the saints, or going through jesus or believing in the trinity or whatever it's like well i think the thing that all these religions have in common including islam and judaism is that they're worshiping god there is kind of like that you know concern that jews and muslims have that you know some forms of christianity according to them use forms of idolatry or worship other gods. Some people would say that worshiping the Trinity is almost like worshiping three gods. Um, Someone did mention that, you know, uh, uh, Judaism being monotheistic, it was rare. There weren't, like, really monotheistic religions like that around. Um, Maybe there were some that I don't really know about. I'm not, like, too read up on history, but I I can only think of Judaism as the only one that I've ever known about that has just the one God. Um, Even Rome at that time, Greece at that time, you know, they had all these gods. And so it's possible that, you know, um the Trinity is more um, easy to digest for some of these other uh, non-Jewish groups because, you know, at least they don't have to get rid of having all these other aspects of of gods or God. At least they get one that has three. Um, And that's a whole conversation for a whole other time. Um, That's one of those topics I don't think I'll ever be able to kind of really uh, get to too easily, I don't mind talking about it it's just it's very complex because at the end of the day, a lot of stuff is based on faith, you know, it doesn't matter what the books actually say, people are going to believe what they're going to believe, which is why I'm not here to say, like, believe what I say or believe my interpretation or whatever like I don't even know if my interpretations are right. They change based on what I learn. So it depends what I'm studying. You know, I mean, I would say that certain things I do believe, certain things I don't believe. Um, and, like, even for example, there there's not historical proof of the Exodus. You know, Jewish scholars and historians even mention that. And so it's like, there's stuff like that where it's like okay there's this whole you know the story of exodus and like the the jews leaving from slavery from pharaoh and all this kind of stuff and you know if that many jews left like why is there no proof of pottery or anything that like what did they just leave and not take anything with them at all all those people took nothing with them and then went wandering for 40 years you know in the in the desert there's nothing in the desert there's nothing in the in the dead sea or the sea that you know i mean they think they found like chariot wheels or something i don't really know um but you know there's things like that where it's like A lot of us would say, yeah, I believe, you know, you either believe in the Bible that, you know, the Hebrews were enslaved in Egypt. And then they, they eventually, uh, Moses led them out into the desert, eventually into the promised land where Moses didn't get to go. He saw it, I guess, from a distance, but died, um... And didn't get to go in. Um, I think he was like 120 years old when he died or something. Um, He spent that last 40 years of his life wandering the desert. But he started out, you know, being raised in, you know, Pharaoh's kingdom in Egypt. He was raised in Egypt as an Egyptian prince, basically. It's like, that's when you think of it, it's like, okay, he's a Hebrew of of origin, you know, raised in Egypt, which is Africa. You know, it's like, when you think of these stories, it's like, what is going on? And then, you know, people would say, you know, a lot of people, even though... There might not be proof of it in archaeological, like, digs and things. There's no conclusive proof that that many people left Egypt as, from slavery as he, being Hebrews and wandering in the desert. Um, now maybe the proof got covered up because, you know, history, you know... Egypt is a big nation I mean the Jews had the biblical writings on their side of the stories and the oral stories that eventually got written down but you know Egyptians, some of them were literate as well and they had a writing system as well and is it in their history that there were slaves and Hebrews that left, like, but what I'm saying is that, you know, there's a lot of stories like this where it's like, even if there's no proof of it, even in archaeology, most of us would say, you know, if you believe in the Bible, most people who believe in the Bible wouldn't really refute that that the Hebrews were enslaved by the Egyptians and left with Pharaoh, you know, chasing after them, you know. Pharaoh's chariots chasing after them and stuff, and then the chariots got drowned, and did the water open? Did Moses water open the water and things like that? Uh, for the Israelites to come through, and then once they got to the other side, you know the chariots got drowned. Um, you know, most people wouldn't. You know, put up too much of a fight about that. When it comes to the Trinity, you know, that's very much a big part of Christian doctrine. You know, most churches believe in the Trinity. I would say Jehovah's Witnesses don't. There are select groups that maybe question it, but I'd say most, probably 95, 98% of Christian groups. Believe in the Trinity. I know there are a lot of individual Christian people who kind of question it, but I don't really know that many actual denominations that outwardly say, like, we don't take on the Trinity as, you know, part of our beliefs. I think the Jehovah's Witness Church is the only church I've ever heard outwardly saying that, but also there aren't a lot of churches, there are some churches that I've never, like, heard from. Like the Jehovah's Witnesses, they've knocked at my door, and I've studied with them for a little bit, and so that's how I know because I I heard them say it, and I had one of their free Bibles that they gave me, that had their version of the Bible. They took out uh, it doesn't have John one one, like as the other Bibles do. They say that theirs is a translation, not a version. They taught me, and I don't know how accurate this is, that a translation is, you know, taken from the original scrolls or texts versus a version which is translated from an actual translation of the original texts. So they state that they have a translation and that theirs is more accurate you know, John one one that says, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, or whichever order that goes in, their Bible literally doesn't have in it the Word was God. They don't have that in there. Um, Now, I don't know, I don't have original versions of the New Testament. I actually have one, but um, I can't really read Greek yet. I can read Hebrew enough to kind of get by a little bit with a dictionary, but my friend gave me this New Testament that's in Greek. It's called and it has a dictionary. It's called the Greek New Testament fourth revised edition. I don't know what version of the Bible this is. I've barely ever looked at it. Mm. United Bible Societies Dutch Bibli- gelshaft I don't even know. I've never seen that word. Um It says, in cooperation with the Institute for New Testament Textual Research, Munster slash Westphalia. Um, it's got a table of contents. It's just called the Greek New Testament. I don't know. I guess that's all it's called. I don't know if it's even like a version early version. So it has a lot of historical information that's in English. And it has the books of the Bible. The New Testament Bible. So if I even try and find the book of John. um, So I know that says Matthew, Mark, Lucas, E... I don't know what that means, but I guess page 312. So it would have been the first sentence on page 312. I'm just going to look it up to see if I can even see what it says at all. I can't even read Greek guys, so don't even, don't listen to me. Um, okay, yeah, it looks like it says kata yo Yoana, Yoan, um, um, so kata, and then I, Omega, A, N, N, H, and it says in English the word became flesh, and then it says it has a few words and a comma. a few words and a comma and a few words and a comma so it does have those three sections now I don't know if it says in the beginning you know was the word and the word was God and the word was with God I don't know if that's what it says but there are three sections to that one sentence that's kind of what I wanted to see um, is if this Greek has it. But I don't know what the Jehovah's Witnesses were translating from where they don't have it in theirs. So, I don't even know what to say. Um, but, yeah. So these are my thoughts before I've done all the chronological research. Um, all right. Uh, I'll get back into it, but these are, like, early thoughts. I don't want to post this whole episode in case it takes me, like, a couple days. Or in case I have to go back and re-record it if I got a whole bunch of stuff wrong. Um, Because I'm kind of, like, going by the seat of my pants with just kind of... I'm trying to remember things without having to write them down, but it's really hard for me. Like, I've only started getting back into the Bible, like, a little bit more during this year, maybe the end of last year, um, I, I started getting back into studying Hebrew just because I enjoy it so much, um, but yeah, so I do want to get back into this stuff, but, um, alright, well, I'll be back with more.